this program, what it taught me was I knew that I could buy one or two houses and qualify for one or two houses, but I didn't know how to really multiply that and build a real portfolio. And so being able to learn how to do it, which is sounds kind of weird to say, especially because I'm in the finance industry, but being able to learn about the lending part was a huge, huge takeaway for me. I did not know about like the commercial loans and the rental loans, the refinance loans. Hey, this is Pollock, And what you're about to hear is a very special episode with one of the investors from our Portfolio Mastery Program. We call these Sensei Sessions. These interviews are designed to give you a perspective about what you can achieve with the right strategies and execution. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to check out the show notes for a link to speak with one of our senior advisors who can help you reach your investment goals. I want everyone in our Sensei Sessions to learn about you and your first bird deal. Tiffany Johnson, tell us where you live and what you do for a day job. I currently live in the, I live in Washington state in the Tacoma, Seattle area. And for my day job, I um, am a bank manager. So I've been working for a financial institution for probably 11 years now. So that is my day job currently. Very good. Okay. And so how did you get into the real estate world where you wanted to grow a portfolio and grow wealth in this way? So I actually come from a family that's been in the real estate world for as long as I could remember. Um, And real estate has actually always been my passion. So my family or the exposure that I had was actually to wholesaling. So that's what they do here in this area. And what I wanted to do was decide what my strategy was and what I wanted to wanted my real estate journey to go. Uh, But that's how I got started into it. I did a project here in Seattle, and um, that was a a very big learning opportunity for me. So um, now uh, I was really excited to join the program and just a set plan for what I wanted to do and get a roadmap and, and start moving forward on that, which is what I'm doing now. And you did. So you very recently got your first bird deal under contract. And we want to go right into the details. Where did you invest? How you found that property? Let's let's kind of get started. Is is where is this property and and how did you find it? So the property's in Philadelphia. I found it off of Zillow. And it was actually the first property after I joined the program that I put an offer in. And I was really lucky to get it accepted. So um, yeah, it's in Philadelphia. The Seattle market's really expensive. And so I didn't really have my heart set on anywhere in particular. I just wanted somewhere that's more affordable that I could really build a portfolio in. And, you know, in the program, everyone's talking about Philly. There's always kind of some connection. So I'm like, let me check it out and see. And so that's where I ended up getting the property at. Okay. Well, I know one of the things that what we all struggle with is is really once you figure out the city, maybe yeah. you've said, okay, Philly is great. How did you determine the zip code, the the neighborhood that you were even looking? When you were typing into Zillow, how did you find that place that you decided that's the one? So I did have a couple of zip codes in Philly that I was researching and kind of you know, typing into Zillow, looking at what are they selling for? What are they renting for? um, And what was on the market? So how many deals were available? I feel like I didn't do 
I don't like to over research. And so once I found something and it's like, okay, it works, the numbers work here. And it was almost like, why not? Why am I not moving? Like, what is stopping me from moving forward? And so that's how I kind of ended up pulling the trigger on the zip code that I did. It, like, I looked at it, the numbers work. So I wanted to move forward. Okay. So did you have an agent even, or did you find it on Zillow and just use the one that was connected to the Zillow listing? I ended up using the listing agent that had listed the property on Zillow. So I did not have an agent, but, you know, I felt like for probably about a month, I was in kind of the analysis paralysis where you're looking at all these different zip codes and all these different states and cities. And it just was like, this works and I'm going to move forward and I want to look. And so when I was looking on Zillow, I had looked for, I would say probably about a week that I was actively like looking for properties. And then when I found one that kind of it looked all the numbers looked like they were, then it was just a matter of, okay, am I gonna actually do this or am I gonna say that I'm doing this? And so I wanted to walk forward and I just reached out. It was actually Super Bowl Sunday. That's and even and I didn't realize because I don't watch uh, like football, but uh, so I was like calling the listing agent a couple of times so then he could get back to me so I could put in an offer. And he was like, don't you know what today is? Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're like, I don't care. <laughs> so what did you do to make your deal? How did you get the deal to go through the first offer, the first property? Did you do anything special or did you put thought into making it different? So what I did, I would say there's a couple of things that I tried to strategically do to make my offer more appealing. The first was just by reaching out directly to the listing agent. Obviously, he'd be a dual agent and get paid on both sides. So it's more likely that he's going to, you know, push my offer forward. Another thing that I did, and I, I shared this with my friends in the accountability group, and it's something really small, but in order to be taken serious as a real estate investor, I wanted to look like a real estate investor, right? Because I am. So I made a Google domain. And so like my email is actually my name at my investment company. And when I was talking to the agent, he was at first not really taking me serious. And I was giving him my contact information and literally just giving him that email that had my investment name in it. He was like, oh, like this is your business then. I'm like, yes, this is my business. I'm an active real estate investor. But it was really interesting how that little piece just, and I probably paid like 10 bucks a month to pay for the domain. But that little piece was like, oh, wow, she's serious, you know? So that was one thing. The other thing was um, I did an escalation clause in there. So I offered a price and then had an escalation clause that was pretty competitive, I felt like. And then um, what else? I, I didn't have any contingencies, which we'll probably touch on later and how that ended up turning out for me. But I did not have any contingencies in my offer. So moved quick, no contingencies and a pretty competitive price. And I feel like that was enough for him to sell me to the seller. Yeah. I mean, you, you move fast. That's for sure as well. Okay. So what can you share with us? Purchase price, what you're anticipating the ARV will be. And are you in rehab yet or, or has that happened already? You're in the middle. I, in the rehab, um, we are looking to finish that up very soon. So um, the purchase price on the property, it was listed for 60. I ended up getting it for 75. So that was the, the escalation clause went up to 75. There was a couple of other offers at that price as well, but the terms are, I think, what got it. And then um, 
I was anticipating the ARV to be 140, 150, not quite what the appraisal came back at. So 75 was the acquisition. My rehab budget initially was 45 that I was looking to spend. And then my ARV initially was 150-ish. Okay. Wait. I see this number is a little bit like hesitant because it was a learning and every step of the way I kind of learned a little bit that changed those. So yeah, you're smiling. You're still smiling. Maybe a little like, oh, okay. But at the same time, you have a property under contract and you said the rehab is almost finished. So then if you rent it out, which is what you do plan on doing, yeah. And what are you anticipating for rent? And, and how is the, how's the rehab coming so far? The rehab is coming really good. So it was a pretty lipstick fake. So there was no major work that needed to be done, which was really great and exactly what I was looking for. The rent that I'm looking to get for this property is between 1200 and 1400 is what I'm anticipating the rent being. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay, so people always like to know kind of the people who helped you along the way. So I know you found the real estate agent through Zillow, but as far as your construction crews, your lending folks, how, how did you find those team members to round out this Burr deal and kind of push it through to the next step? So I found the contractor actually through Bigger Pockets. I posted on the forum in there and said, hey, I'm doing my first out-of-state bird deal and, you know, looking for any recommendations for a contractor and got some recommendations through there that I was able to vet and really land on somebody that we've been able to work really well together so far. Um, so that was how I found that um, the lender is I tried to go with a lender. I actually ended up having to buy this property cash. That's why I has stated a little bit in the beginning. So I'm not currently with a lender, but it was just someone that I found online, which was kind of a, or, or found through um, the referral. And that was a little bit of a learning experience. So, but what I will do is end up refinancing the property still once it's done. So yeah, so through the referral on here for the lender and then bigger pockets, I posted on there for um, referrals for contractors. And then same thing for property managers. That's how I found some connections for that. It's all about relationships though, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. something you find that you can't do all on your own and finding those key people either through direct contact or through a friend of a friend of a contact of a contact yeah. that really makes it so you can feel more comfortable, especially since you're doing this out of state. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So actually me and one of my friends on our accountability group, we're just talking about, you know, building connections where you are and building community where you are, I think is probably a big learning that we're both having being in it is that you can find people, but you really are going to find, you know, good quality people by inserting yourself in the community, whether that's like through Facebook groups or, you know, forums, something that really grounds you in that community that you're investing in. Well, so they think that you're a person or that they know that you're a human, right? They, they think you're a person, but until you show up, whether it's on Facebook or somewhere else, they actually don't see that for themselves. It's very, very interesting. So as part of the portfolio program, you have the support, you have the teachings from Pollock and Needy, and then you have the accountability. What part of their program has helped you through this process the most? What would you say is maybe one of your big, your you know greatest takeaways that has helped you through this process? 
I would say there's two huge takeaways that I had. So prior to joining the program, I actually interviewed with a couple of other mentorship programs because I, like I said, my first deal that I did out here, I actually lost quite a bit of money and learned a ton from it. And and so, you know, I was able to recover from that and really be put myself in a position to be able to invest again. And I wanted to make sure that when I did that, I was had, like I said, the right strategy. And so when I had interviewed with other mentorship programs, it just didn't feel like it was what I needed. So they were talking about like investing with no money down. And I'm like, okay, well, I have a little bit like, so I don't need that or like wholesaling. And it's like, I don't really, I don't want to door knock. Like that's not what I'm trying to learn. And so this program, what it taught me was I knew that I could buy one or two houses and qualify for one or two houses, but I didn't know how to really multiply that and build a real portfolio. And so being able to learn how to do and which is sounds kind of weird to say, especially because I'm in the finance industry, but being able to learn about the lending part was a huge, huge takeaway for me. I did not know about like the commercial loans and the rental loans, the refinance loans. I had known about real estate for a really long time and been really invested, but was missing that major piece of how do you really like level up your investment. So that was the biggest takeaway was how to get the financing and what type of financing you should be getting. And then also just seeing Palik and her story was so inspiring. So I'm a single mom myself, or she's not, but I'm a single mother. And, you know, my daughter is really, really important to me. And everything that I'm doing is like to build, to be able to be with her and spend time with her and like really build some generational, like generational things and even teach her about investing. Like all of those things were really important to me. So to be able to see her story and you know what got her motivated to even you know take her journey in that direction um, was very inspiring for me and made me want to do what we're doing even more so i love it i love your purpose for making this grow i mean it's it is powerful so we talked about some challenges or you alluded to some challenges (laughs) you're still smiling somehow you are but that is that's part of this, right? It is part of this. And so I'd love to hear about some of the challenges that you'd will you'd be willing to share with us. Yeah. And maybe some surprises that you've come across along the way. So I think you mentioned first, was it the appraisal? Is that was that was that one of them? Uh, yes. The appraisal was one. You know, but first I just love that you say that because I think that's such a big piece is the challenges are going to happen. And that's what made me not really afraid to walk forward. Obviously you're afraid, but to walk forward was just knowing and understanding that there's going to be challenges. It's not going to be perfect. And the sooner that you can accept that and just know that when a challenge comes, I'm going to find a way to make it happen and make it work, then you're going to be so much better off than trying to think that it's going to go perfect because real estate is never that. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, so you're investing out of state and you don't know necessarily, you think you know the neighborhood and you can do a lot of research. But as we know about where we live and you know everybody kind of knows about their own community, there's stuff that you're not gonna know unless you're there. And so when I got the property under contract, it was not in like the best part of the neighborhood, but it looked really nice. And so I didn't know that, but when the appraisal came back, it come back, 
a little bit lower than what I was anticipating. So it did not work for the loan that I was trying to get. So I had anticipated the ARV coming back at around 150. The ARV came back at 130. So with the purchase price that I had and the rehab budget that I had, those numbers just did not work. What happened is because I didn't have any contingencies in my offer. So I knew that this is a possibility going into it that I would have to buy the property myself. So the thing is the numbers still worked for me doing it without any of the loan fees and without all of that. And I was able to just adjust the construction and, you know, maybe put some things that I wanted to do, but necessarily can't afford to do anymore to the side and kind of redirect and, and still make it work and happen. What a great attitude, honestly, because and well, and also to know before you went in there that yes. that was a possibility with with the way things are going in the market and the way numbers are fluctuating. That's something that definitely that you were prepared for and that you kind of met head on. So what are some other challenges that you came across as you were going through the process? So I know the rehab is, is underway. And did you mention how you came across your construction crew? Can't remember if you. Yeah, so from um, bigger pockets. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so, I mean, that is such a huge part of this, being able to pull together the crews. And so that seems to be on time and, and not as stressful. Yeah. So I on time, I'd use lightly, but not as <laughs> stressful. Yes. <laughs> so that is, you know, I think with contractors, a lot of them overpromise and don't necessarily deliver on that. So, you know, he promised this great timeline that sounded really appeasing, but that's not necessarily where we're at. Um, so, and, and again, from the project that I did before out here, these are things that I kind of took away. And so, okay, the contractor's going to say this, that's not realistic. And so I've always had my own timeline in my head for what I was expecting of him, even though he told me, you know, this amount of weeks in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to double that because let's let's be real that and if it happens and he does it then that's great but here we are and he didn't so that's not i try to be like manage my expectations but also be understanding and so we're still in a good space for the timeline that i have for my construction it's still looking like we're going to be able to make that which is great and he's just been really great about ensuring you know it's not like he's asking me for a bunch of money, like on top of it, but not getting stuff done on time. Like he's just been really just someone that I, I feel like we can build a good relationship. So um, he's not perfect, but you know, it was, it's still working and the project is still going well. And you haven't visited the property. Do you plan on visiting it or are you staying on your side, the West coast and not planning to visit? How is that working for you? So I have visited the property. Oh. So and I have met him and I actually like one of the things I really just believe in like things happen, you know, the way that they're supposed to play out. And I didn't know much about the East Coast. I'm not going to lie. And my brother lived out there and I didn't know before I bought this property that he was only two hours away. So he's actually been able to be like a boots on the ground person and check okay. the property weekly for me, which is just a blessing. I, I literally didn't know that until I bought it. So that's been really helpful. And then I am putting more time into just being very visible for the contractor. So I met with him when we first closed so we can go in together. And because I had to readjust the budget. So 
we went through that together and decided what we were going to do. My hope is that I can do that now so that I don't have to do that in the future. Right, right, right. That's great that you have your brother there who can be that person. Does he, the contractor or the crews, do they give you video updates? How, how are you also sort of being on top of it when your brother's not able to go or you're not able to, uh, you know, talk to them on a regular basis? How do they keep in touch with you and let you know what's happening? I do get, um, so we typically connect every Monday morning. I connect with him. And so usually by Friday, whether it's from my brother going out there and he'll give me videos or the contractor will send me a video if he can't make it out there. I also have a camera in the house as well, so I can check on it anytime. But usually I talk with the contractor Monday morning and it's nice to be able to game plan for the week and see what, you know, set an expectation for what's going to get done. And then then we'll debrief at the end of the week based on what actually is getting done. I think it's interesting that your family is into real estate. You're you yourself are in finance. And I think it's interesting. And we've talked with with folks here on our sensei sessions. And uh, I've talked with people in other industries, too, is you feel like because it is your industry that you should have it in the bag because yes. it's your industry. But I think when you're in the industry, it's a job. <laughs> and so you're you're learning this this whole new world for you, which I think is really fascinating. And you came into Burr trying to decide if this is the right path for you. And, and how do you feel about it now? Do you see this after this deal continuing to help grow the portfolio and generational wealth? Absolutely. hundred thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, as you said, like I grew up around real estate. So like I've seen what I was able to see from that was how much money that you could make. Right. So in wholesaling, there's a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money. But what I've also seen is like the longevity. And if you don't have ownership, that can go away at any time, which, you know, we were my dad was still in real estate during the recession and, you know, 07 and 08. And that was really eye opening for our family and really changed the trajectory of a lot of things. And so it's been really important to me to take what I already knew from learning from him and figuring out a way to build longevity with it. And so the burr is a great opportunity for us to really build that ownership piece, which that is how I feel like you can really make a difference in your life. That's great. So I want to talk a little bit more about the portfolio program and how it has helped you get to where you are. You talked earlier about how it helped you through the the, the more challenging aspect <laughs> <laughs> of, of doing the deals. Uh, it's just the way it is. It's just the way uh, the way it works. But what would you say is be one or two main takeaways that you would share as a recommendation to someone who maybe isn't in the program right now? I would say, you know, one of the biggest takeaways is investing in yourself and investing in your future. So if this is something that you're interested in doing, you're never going to go wrong by investing and in learning. Like there's always, as you said, I've been around this for a really long time, but there's still always so much that we can learn and learning is never going to hurt us. It's only going to help us. So um, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways by was really committing to what I was doing by joining the program and being able to take away as much as I could from that. 
I would also just say the community aspect. So, you know, we have a really great accountability group that we still connect and, you know, text and talk all the time, which is just, it's amazing to, I feel like here, sometimes I don't have as many people that are interested in doing the same thing that I'm trying to do, or we'll kind of look at what I'm, you know, dreaming of or trying to walk forward in and like, oh my gosh, that's so much. Or like, you are you think you're going to do that? And so being in a community of people that are actively doing the same thing and can hold you accountable for what you say that you're trying to accomplish are, and I think these are relationships that I'll take with me for a very long time. So that community piece and investing in yourself are, are huge. Oh, it is huge. Absolutely. So I asked everyone to fill in the blanks of this sentence, and I'd love if you would do that as well. So it's before the program, I, and now I. Before the program, I was scared, and now I'm excited. I'd say before the program, I was afraid to, you know, take the next step. Now I'm excited about the possibilities of continuing walking forward. So what is your timeline for that? I, and I, you're in the middle of this one, so I can understand if it's hard to think ahead, but are you still looking for deals? Is it still something that you're thinking about? Even given the wild market right now, are you looking now? And, and, and so what is the timeline for you? Yes, I am still actively looking and actively wanting to acquire more bird deals. And so I think right now I'm in the space of, okay, I just want to get this one done. But it's not like I want to get this done because this is really stressful. It's like, I want to get this done so I can do more. That's So I want to, you know, let's see, we're in June. Hopefully by the end of the year, I could have another two, three, four under my belt is what I'm wanting to do. And so, you know, I felt like this first one was an opportunity to get the contacts and get the pieces and the people in order and in order to do it again. And that's what I'm doing. So now hopefully I think the next ones will go even easier. So I'm just excited to kind of move forward and continue to do more deals this year. And hopefully next year, you know, even build an even bigger portfolio or branch into like the multifamily or short-term rental. So I'm kind of, I would say using this for practice to really level up, I guess. Very inspiring, Tiffany. I imagine we'll be talking to you again soon. (laughs) Right here in the same spot. (laughs) Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days. And it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional. 